Bula, and welcome to Pacific Voices. We're back for the last of the Fiji episodes. And as you heard in the past couple shows, the graduate students at the University of the South Pacific, where I did these interviews, but also other colleges and universities in the region, are often pretty intimately involved in adaptation and development projects that are funded by international donors. So the students sometimes end up serving as a bit of a bridge, a bridge between their home communities and the international development funding machine, and also a bridge between local traditional knowledge and more Western science. It's part of the reason I was so excited about these conversations. Today's guest, Simeone Navalu, knows about bridging those gaps. He's a graduate student who's working with a European Union-funded project. It's called Scaling Up Pacific Adaptation. And he's also my namesake. Simeone is a Fijian version of the English name Simon. He and I talk about the mechanics of adaptation projects, the conflicting priorities that often arise, and just how to best marry different forms of knowledge. Simi himself is from the Thula, which is at the end of the Asawa's island chain. It's an island chain northwest of the international airport in Nandi, and it's a pretty dry place in a very different environment from that of the other guests on this show. I happened to have visited his village many years ago as part of research for something that I was writing. And a lot of my own understanding and appreciation for Fijian culture came from the generosity of the people of his village. So it was really fun all these years later to meet somebody from the Thula. Now let's get to that conversation. My name is uh, Simeone Ulumbakanevalu. I am from the village of Nadula that is located in the Esawa group of islands in Fiji. Bulavanaka, thank you so much for joining me here today. Could you tell me a little bit about how you ended up studying climate change at the University of the South Pacific? Thank you very much for the question. Well, at first, after I finished my undergraduate studies, which was my bachelor's degree in environmental science, I, I sought advice from my father and uh, my, one of my lecturers in uh, USP about which course should I take for my postgraduate studies. And they both advised me that uh, climate change would be actually a good topic to study because of how the Pacific is suffering from the effects uh, currently. So I thought, I thought about choosing climate change according to the advice, but little did I know that it was actually going to become something very important to me once I actually got to see the effects of climate change in my own village. So after taking up the interest to study climate change, I started uh, looking for opportunities where I could place myself and learn uh, different ways or techniques or information and network with people who are also part of the university, but from outside of the university, in terms of assisting my villages back in Nagula. And I was fortunate enough to be part of the PSSD Student Association, which from there uh, helped me network with lecturers who had projects that actually can help uh, assist my villages in terms of uh, food security. And since uh, food security was a big problem in uh, Navula, apart from having a lot of fish to eat, so. I was roped in into as part of a, a, a project in uh, Asawa Islands as an RE, and from there I've been working as an RE, and some and some semesters I was studying as a student. And so your your home 
island in your home village of uh, Navua is in the Asawa Island chain, which is on one side of the main island of Fiji. I wonder if you can explain a little bit how the weather there is really different than the weather in other parts of Fiji. The weather in the western side, well, first, it's always dry. There's hardly any rainfall uh, during the year. And when there is uh, rainfall, it's usually less. Um, it's usually humid in uh, Yasawa. So the farther you go up to my village, the more humid it becomes. Other than that, water is really important for us to use wisely. Uh, but in terms of the weather, it's usually humid. It's not that windy at times. It's uh, when it's really hot. It's really hot. Uh, yeah, but it hardly rains. It hardly rains, and that that seems when you talk about food security, is it the droughts that that yeah. worry you? Yeah, yeah. And so, is that something? Is that been an issue in the you know past ten years? It has always been an issue. When drought hits the western side of Fiji, it's usually a big problem for all of the western. Uh, places because uh, how I said that the water sometimes becomes really scarce when during a, during the drought so it usually affects the, the growth of uh, food and sometimes it usually affects the abundance of fish in the mm. sea because sometimes we understand that the sea temperature increases some organisms that are usually located uh, in certain areas usually move yeah. and that kind of affects uh, uh, fishing for my fellow villagers back in Northern. I'm curious about about what sort of reaction you get when you go back home and talk about it and, and tell people what you're studying here. Is it surprising? Is it familiar? Like what, how, do, how does your friend and other people, friends or family react? Thank you very much for the question. I really like the question. <laughs> well, usually what I always tell myself or my colleagues is that whenever we go to the villages, some people usually have this mindset that never mind you come from the city. It's like you know more information than those in the villages. So I usually tell myself and my colleagues is that when you go to the village, you take off that mindset that you think you're smarter than them. Because people in the villages know more about their village than somebody coming from outside. And I usually take that to heart. So when I approach them with a new topic or new information or tell them this is what I've been studying or this is what I've learned, I usually tell them this is just to add on to what you already know in the village. Because I understand that our forefathers and our ancestors, they had, they had their own way of uh, understanding the seasons and going about whenever there's a change on how to or do the fishing like in certain months or plant food in certain months because they know because they already have this information because I mean they've been living there they understand how the land works how the sea works how everything works and for me just coming from university my job is to share what I've learned with them but not to change what they already but if what I'm bringing can influence a change that they themselves know can better their community, better their lifestyle, and better everything around them, they'll be good. But if I'm bringing some information that can help, uh, just to add on to what they already know, then it'll be good as well. Yeah, so that's how I always approach uh, going back to my family members. So you're really combining yeah. the traditional knowledge together with, I guess, the sort of more Western or European sort of scientific knowledge that 
yeah. that the university is based on. Yes. Yeah. Are people receptive to yeah, some, what you what you're learning here? Yeah, some people actually uh, see that the information that we bring is really effective and it helps them. But there are some who prefer to stick to their own knowledge, their own ways, uh, thinking that we we from outside the village just just coming to collect data and just coming to spread whatever information that we want to bring and then we go back without actually implementing whatever activities that we want to come and do and some people have the mindset where it kind of makes it hard to actually bridge the gap of where we're approaching from and what some people might have already or maybe against us so well one point that i would like to share as well is that some previous organizations well i hope it's related to the question as well but what i've learned in the past is that some organizations that gone to villages not only in my own village is that they, is that they they make promises they come and implement activities and the villages receive them with uh, uh, warm hands and they tend they tend to all everything that is required of uh, villages to help uh, this organization or these uh, representatives achieve their objectives. But then they just come and they, they go back without doing any, or giving anything back in return. And so that mindset mindset carries from carries on to another organization they may come after. So having that, that reputation before an organization comes into the village kind of affects that the way that new organization is received or how they conduct their work. Because some villages still have this old mindset that the previous organization, the previous representative, just came and did whatever they want to without giving anything in return or something that would benefit the community. So that brings me back to, I mentioned I was trying to bridge the gap of where maybe somebody went wrong, somebody wasn't received properly, didn't do the job properly, and it kind of affected how we were coming in as an organization trying to achieve an objective. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty sure maybe in other parts of the world we probably would have faced the same problem as well. I wish that what you were saying was, was not common, but I think it's a problem that's existed for years. And it sounds like it's a problem both within, it can be a problem within Fiji because there's uh, such a diversity of culture between villages and the Asawas, people in the cities. But then it's all the foreigners people like me, you know, that come to the Pacific Islands to do research and then just take the data home with them. Well, it's usually Fijians as well. <laughs> don't, be, don't, don't worry, it's also Fijians. I don't know if that makes it, that doesn't make it any better though. <laughs> the, the word I, I hear people use sometimes is parachute science. Parachute science? Yeah, I don't know if you've ever heard that, but this idea of like a, a, a you know, somebody from Canada parachuting into the Fiji gathering some data and then going home with the data. Do you think, is that getting better? Like are organizations that come to work in, in villages like yours, are they being more thoughtful? Yeah, from, from recent uh, conversation with uh, my cousins back in the village, they say like the past organizations that have been coming, not only USP, but some others from Fiji and original uh, organization, they said that they've actually done good things for the community. Yeah. So, for example, they've tried to set up uh, mangrove uh, seed banks to help stop coastal erosion. Uh, some organizations have come and conducted uh, training workshops and seminars uh, for our community in terms of uh, disaster risk ready. 
uh, simply just helping out create an evacuation plan, helping identify which are the vulnerable uh, uh, groups in the village, whether it be the elderly or disabled women, and just making sure that there's a net network ready, ready. So whenever there's a disaster, they have all these different networks or options that are readily available to help them whenever there's a disaster. And uh, actually, I'm thankful that some organizations have actually sponsored a few village, uh, few villages to actually come across to the main city, whether it be in the west, uh, Lotoka or Tusua, to come and con uh, attend these meetings or sessions or workshops or seminars and help take those information back to the village. And for me, it's actually uh, something positive because it helps increase the capacity in my village by, well, f f from starting with just one person. And I've actually grown, so the more people that get to know uh, this new information, the more they can take back to the village and help spread the information. So that way, everybody progresses together, not just the ones who are attending these trainings. Well, for me, it's, from a perception, it's that really good. That, I mean, that sounds really, and there must be, uh, are there, I would imagine that also, that approach could be very effective, just also due probably to the, the culture of the village itself. Just, yes. you, you, have, you have a chief and there's, there's a, a whole sort of social structure yeah. designed around, that, that helps, uh, helps expertise, I guess, move around, right? People listen to the chief, right? And, and then the chief delegates the person who he or she thinks would be able to or be special, I mean, who would be the best, best person to actually go and learn this information and bring back to the village. And then once they have uh, monthly meetings and then they talk about all these updates that they've been conducting, like people within the village and people who have gone outside the village in terms of village development. And yeah. not, you know, not, not only focuses on climate change, but in other areas as well, whether they can bring in uh, health, so it's just having all these different thematic areas, but having a different groups, whether it be the youth or people, would actually be useful in getting the knowledge for those different thematic areas and bring it back to the village for everybody to know. And, and you mentioned health. I mean, health, is that's part of it, adapting to climate change. Uh, I mean, if we're, again, talking about where you're from, uh, not very close to the nearest doctor. No. Right. We have a health center, but <laughs> uh, sometimes when people are sick in the village, it's very hard to tend to. <laughs> so people would, you would at that point probably need to go to Latoka on the main. Yeah, if it's quite yeah. serious, because other than that, because some of our villages are, you have to travel by boat. Eh? And usually, when somebody gets sick, you don't know where, what time <laughs> or when. <laughs> and plus, you don't know if the boats will be readily available. Eh? So, right, and, and it's not a short. You know, you mentioned before it's a three hour, three hours, four yeah, hours maybe. If you have to, if you want to go back to the main city, yeah, and in a small boat, it's yeah. not, it's not, an easy, not an easy trip. Even studying climate change, even thinking about climate change, you're an activist as well. Um, what are the, what are things that you would want people in my part of the world, in Canada or in the United States, to to know about climate change in Fiji? Like, is there anything that that you think that they maybe don't understand? I would say it's actually it's the actual uh, effects and the loss that people are currently going through as the day go by. Yeah. So with each passing day, I would say that uh, some uh, islands or some villages are starting to lose out 
on things that they uh, see uh, relates to their identity. And uh, one common thing is uh, land. We in the Pacific, we hold uh, our land as part of our identity. We are part of the land, for we have created out of our land and we will return to the land. So now that some places have been, or some villages have relocated due to the effects of climate change, uh, it just goes to show that uh, with each passing day, the effects uh, tend to get much worse. And uh, we just hope that uh, with uh, our activists and all the information that they're trying to get across the world, that uh, maybe we can just have more support in trying to uh, slow down the effects of climate change. Because I know uh, all our countries, uh, they need uh, their own resources and everything to actually run their own economy. And we as a Pacific, uh, when some people or activists cry out to stop this, uh, stop that, for example, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, I understand these large countries, they need this to operate because it's part of the economy. They need that to, just, I mean, for the development or for the left to actually continue. I know it's a big ask for from us as a Pacific, but uh, I just want to say that well, my fellow activists, like when they cry out, they're actually crying out because they actually see the effects that climate change is actually doing to the people, not only in Fiji, but I would say around the Pacific as well. For sure. And, you know, one thing I think about, I've been lucky enough to, to be to your home island and uh, I think an, an outsider who visits Fiji compared to maybe visiting Tuvalu or Kiribati, um, you look at Fiji, it's lush forests, tall mountains, and including you're, it's drier where you're from, but still there are, hill, there are hills. And so people, I think, would look at Fiji and think, yeah, it's not that threatened by sea level rise. But villages are built along the coast, right? And so I imagine... Um, Sea level rise is a threat back home. Yeah, yeah. I have a relative uh, who's uh, who has relocated inside the village because really? his house used to look, be located close to the beach. But now <laughs> his old house has uh, has all the post. Yeah. Uh, like when you when you arrive uh, when you arrive onto into yes and uh, into Nagula, you see it's the, one of the houses that are located close to the beach, and you can see that uh, that. The posts, uh, you can see the posts. Well, the posts are still there. The posts, yeah, but it's actually, I mean, the sand that used to be, I mean, the land that used to be around the house has been washed away by the sea. And that is uh, evidence of uh, coastal erosion yeah. because, because the land has been washed away. And uh, the health, health center was relocated three times into the, into the village. Times. Yeah, because the first location was close to the shore as well, and then coastal erosion started happening, and then they had to move the health center uh, probably three meters in, and then it continued, the coastal erosion Keep continued, to, and then they had to move it in. Wow. So it's been happening, I think, for the past 10 years. Past 10 years, yeah. They, they relocated the health center two to three times into the village because of coastal erosion. So when you go back home and you're talking about these impacts with people, do they understand why it's happening? Is there even words to describe climate change in, in the yeah. local language? They use a Fijian term called Drakivisau. And Drakivisau, they say it's uh, related to climate change. And that's the term that they use for whatever changes in the weather patterns that they've been experiencing.
You know, at the international level, um, discussions around climate change and Fiji and other small island developing states, you know, the focus is on uh, like finance, you know, the developed world providing money to help respond to climate change. And it's on loss and damage. You know, how are we going to compensate for damages that occurred? Is there somewhere you think that the focus should be? Personally, I think loss and damage would be the one topic to talk about. But I've always uh, wanted to also know about climate finance because uh, I've come across people where they just talk about we should get funding, we should get funding. But the question is how to get funding. How should you write your proposal? Who should you contact? Where should you go to? I mean, all these questions pop up when people just come and say, we need money. Because obviously at the end of the day, we might, we, if we want to conduct an activity, implement an activity, everything comes back to money. And you can continue with the project or help your village if there's not a source of funds to actually yeah. collect from. Uh, yeah, so right now, I've uh, listened to most of my colleagues talk about loss and damage, but I see that the, uh, the loophole is that there are not a lot of people who know about climate finance or, or how to go about it. Well, that's my personal view. Well, I, I mean, I think you're making such, a, such an important point because so much of climate finance, right, it, it's like you're discussing, is it's coming from these big international organizations like the World Bank or really the Asian Development Bank or something. And just to know how to even fill out an application to propose like to apply for money it's complicated and so you can it's not realistic to expect every village in fiji to even know how to apply uh and so that probably needs its own training yeah yeah that's a really complicated question um, is it do you want to tell me a bit a little bit about what your actual research is on so i'm currently part of a project called uh, super the acronym is super s-u-p-a and stands for Scaling Up Pacific Adaptation. So focus, uh, our focus is to help uh, increase the capacity of all uh, communities in regional countries to be resilient and mm -hmm. to adapt to climate change. And it could be through trainings or workshops or seminars that I've uh, shared. And just in any ways like to uh, help the villagers uh, become more aware of how to go about climate change and assist the communities. So the project is actually funded by EU. Okay, okay. <laughs> so it's an example of what we're describing. <laughs> it's actually funded by EU and uh, uh, the other ones who fund uh, all these activities that they wish to implement in regional countries. Yeah. And so regional countries, when you say that, uh, this is different countries across the Pacific Islands. It seems pretty common that uh, foreign funding for projects is, comes to an organization in the Pacific Islands, but then is used to support projects in Fiji, Vanuatu, Solomon Islands, etc. So EU funds it and then we, the project team, like use that money for activities that they want to be carried out in 10 countries that mm -hmm. we are looking after. And the 10 countries are uh, Fiji, Tonga, Niue, uh, Nauru, Cook Islands, RMI, uh, Tuvalu, uh, and we got uh, Samoa, PNG, and last one is 
Where's the last one? Oh, Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the. We're in Fiji, so that's. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this is sort of scaling up adaptation programs, and so it's train. Like, are you participating in trainings for people? Or, yeah. Okay. So, like, how I mentioned, like how I used the example of, of my fellow villages back in Azula, and how we bring a participant and uh, to train the participant and the participant goes back to the village yeah. and then helps spread the information. And so they become specialized in whatever field that they've been brought to be taught. So this seems like a pretty powerful thing because you're building capacity. So even though the project, I'm going to guess, it only has funding for a certain number of years, but hopefully it yeah. has a legacy. In yeah, but uh, what I understand is that... Uh, we focus on specific communities, eh? but not the whole, not the whole island as a whole. Eh? Sure, of course. So yeah. hopefully, what we do in a community can help spread throughout the island. But I know it's actually a big job. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, that's uh, how I would like to approach the the work that I'm currently doing. Is that starting from one community and then moving to the next and hopefully those communities can share their knowledge with other communities and help spread the knowledge or the skill set that we are trying to help them achieve and become more resilient to climate change are you enjoying are you enjoying the work yeah actually it's i would say it's actually outside of my field like something that i wasn't expecting now because i usually i was just more used to just working back in my village or just helping out with certain communities in Fiji, maybe just two to three communities in Fiji. But now that I've jumped on this project, it's now focused on outside of the communities that I've worked in, in Fiji. Now it's more regional. Yeah. So I see that it comes with the expectations of now you have to work harder to actually uh, help uh, promote your work on a larger scale or actually do a better work on a larger scale. <laughs> well, so you have to, I mean, are you doing some of the work in, in other countries as well? Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, so currently we are assisting some research community offices from yeah. uh, other countries such as uh, Tuvalu, Tonga, Nauru, and Nui. So yeah. they, they got some activities that they want to implement. So right now, my colleague and I, who is also in Nari, our job is to help facilitate those activities and help achieve uh, some... We're not trying to only achieve the objectives of by EU, but we're trying to make sure that what we are uh, going to implement actually creates an impact with the community. I'm going to guess that the funders from the EU had a set of objectives they were aiming for, but you want to make sure that it marries with what the local people actually need. <laughs> I don't even know I should be talking about this, but... <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, but that's like the reality of uh, my work right now. Yeah, but I'm actually enjoying it. It's actually a new thing for me, so I'm really enjoying it. I see there's a learning opportunity, and I don't know it'll be really useful for me is once I since I'm in the workforce now. Oh. So if I do get another opportunity, I won't be new to it. Well, it sounds, it sounds wonderful. I really, Sammy, I really appreciate you sharing your Thank thoughts you. and especially sharing all these stories from, from back home in your village. Thank you very much, Sammy. Thanks so much to Simeone for the chat. And a big thanks goes out once again to Beth Holland for helping to make these interviews possible. 
and to Sangeeta Mangubai for the hospitality and the inspiration during my visit. Aaron Woods once again produced this episode. The show now says mothe or goodbye to Fiji and heads back to Kiribati. In our next episode, I speak with marine scientist and activist Santabo about climate change awareness among youth and about the very Pacific concept of a home island. Stay tuned.